Hey, welcome back to the Nigeria Filmmaker, a podcast for us to talk about Nigerian filmmakers, their films, and how we can build a diverse and functional industry. I'm your host, Selegot. On this episode, my guest is Ike Inebue. He's a film director, screenwriter, and inspirational speaker. He has directed films with international cast and has won awards at several film festivals. In 2020, his documentary project, No U-Turn, secured financing from the World Cinema Fund. We talk about pitching, his filmmaking goals, and his new creative hub, The Love Portion. If you're a new listener, you're welcome, and I hope you enjoy. I just want you to introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Ike Nebwe. Um, I'm a filmmaker. I'm a Nigerian filmmaker. I like to say that I'm a Nigerian international filmmaker because I'm a global citizen at heart and obviously a Nigerian by birth. And um, I am very passionate about telling African stories to the world. I'm, I'm very... Um, I'm very interested in learning about the human being. I'm a big fan of humans. So um, when I first started to tell stories, I thought I wanted to tell stories because I had things I thought I needed needed to teach. Turns out um, the real reason I'm a filmmaker and a storyteller is because there's so much about the world that I need to learn. So I actually make films to learn, not to teach. Okay, thank you for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you, Salem. Thank yeah. you. I I looked at your like what you've been up to and what you're currently doing, and it it looks like really packed. And I'm sure you've been really busy, you know, doing a lot of stuff. Let's start with how and when you started your filmmaking journey. Can you tell us about that? Okay. Um, so officially, I started officially in 2000, right? Okay. But before then, I'd had... Um, so I was in the church um, drama department. Um, I was in the choir as well. Yeah. And um, and I was outside Nigeria. I was, I was living in the Gambia at the time. And um, I had an opportunity to... to, to play a lead actor in a TV series. Yeah. Um, I was, you know, um, so I would say that was my first um, foray into into film, TV, into production. You know, I remember that I didn't really know anything about production at that time. I was just an actor on set and it was just such a fascinating experience. Yeah. Because before then, I always, you know, wanted to be a storyteller. I've, I'd fallen in love with the art of storytelling from growing up in the village, you know, grandma telling a lot of stories by the fireside, yeah. you know, and things like that. So I'd fallen in love with the power of, you know, the power that storytelling has to change society, to shape society. Yeah. So I've always... You know, growing up, when it, you know, just kind of had that at the like at the forefront of my mind of the things that I would like to do with my life, so to speak. So, um, so when I got that opportunity to be on that um, TV series, it was such a beautiful thing. 
And then after the series was rested, I decided to return back to Nigeria uh, to like go and kind of study this this craft. And um, and then I went to Joss um, because based on the little research I did, Joss was just the best place for me. It was quiet. It was um, it had the, the Nigerian Film School. It had the TV College. Yeah. It was just like the place to start. So I went to Joss and I, I you know, um, attached myself to Lenscope Media. Um, most of my learning was a lot of apprenticeship and all that, you know. And then when I felt like I had, you know, gathered enough uh, um, knowledge, and then I decided to come back to Lagos and um, decided to pursue the career, you know, um, officially and professionally. Okay. And that was 2000. That was 2000. So um, when I first came to Lagos, I came as a trained audiovisual producer, director, but nobody would give me a chance to direct any film because everybody wanted to know what I'd done before. I didn't have any job to show, you yeah. know. So, um, but I wanted to work in the industry, so I had to somehow find a way to penetrate, as they say. And I figured that I could be an editor, you know. Um, it was easy to get a job as an editor because, you know, it's just it's rushes. If you edit it well, you're paid. If you don't edit it well, they find another person, basically. But as a director, you couldn't just risk it because if the project goes wrong at the at the production level, then it's it's gone. It's a lot of money gone down the drain, you know. So yeah. most people went willing to take that risk. And I sort of understood it. So so I, I, I went and um, with the last cash I had, I think it was maybe like 7,000 Naira or something. I bought, <laughs> I'm sure what must have been like the cheapest computer at the computer village at the time. Yeah. And um, got the software, the editing software, Adobe Premiere, um, basically started teaching myself how to, how to use a non-linear editor and all that. And... Um, I got to a point where I felt I was confident enough to edit a project on it. So I made a short, I made a video, I made a music video. Because all this while I've also been, you know, recording music as well. Yeah. So I made a music and based on one of my songs and got a few friends together. A friend helped me to shoot it as the DP. I directed it and I wanted to edit it. So I went to the studio. Um, Teko Benson Studios said I wanted to hire a studio, like rent a studio and all that. And then they wanted to give me an editor and I said I would edit it for myself. And they didn't believe me because obviously I was just a rookie. Yeah. And uh, a few hours into the studio, the Teko Benson comes in and wants to see what I was doing and was blown away with what he saw. And then he made me an offer right there and then. That was my biggest first break into movies because now I became an in-house editor for such a big director at the time, Teko Benson. Yeah. You know, he's still a great director, you know, by, you know, for even now. So that's how I started. Um, but then it took me 10 years of editing and pitching my ideas and pushing and hoping that somebody will give me an opportunity. It took me 10 years of not getting any opportunity to direct until I created the opportunity myself by going ahead to make a short film yeah. that I directed. And whilst I was on set of that short film, I got my first script 
to to make a, 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 a to make a feature length film, and it was Uche Jumbo who gave me that that opportunity. I was already her editor for over a year, so we had built rapport and everything. And this project was um, an advocacy project. She wasn't putting in a lot of money, so she felt like she could take the risk with me, and um, and I put my blood and everything in that project and you know like they say um the rest is history yeah so yeah you said you had to like wait 10 years you know editing before you got this opportunity like what kept you going well what kept me going was um first of all i was earning money from editing at least Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i had something to keep me going um physically at least you know, but um, mentally, I just I just kept hoping that I would get that break. You know, I just and then editing helped me to learn so much about other directors and how they work. And so for me, it wasn't just I wasn't just an editor. I was more of like a student as well. So it was it was such a, a beautiful experience working and earning money. You know, to keep body and soul together, and at the same at the same time, learning so much about the craft, you know, and even so much about the industry itself. Yeah. You know, so yeah, so yeah, so two things kept me going. I was earning some change, and um, I had I had a very strong, I mean, hope and um, passion for what I really wanted to do. Yeah, I mean that's that's impressive, and. Um since that time you have come on to um, make several feature films including Sink or Swim, Loving Daniela and um, some of these movies have gone to festivals and won international award. What made you want to take your films to the festival? What was the primary motivation? Um, so I've always wanted to be a global player. It's, um, it's something that has always been there. You know, I've um, I've never been the kind of a person that wanted to be a local champion, to so to speak. I've always seen the world as my oyster, if you like. Um, I I have this global citizen mindset. You yeah. know that we are all we're all global citizens. You know, so I don't see any reason why the craft that I practice here should not touch people's lives in 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 Mauritania or in in China or in Mongolia, you know, yeah. you know. So that that has always been the thinking. So, um, traveling to festivals or submitting my film to festivals and trying to reach out to the other parts of the world it's just something that has always been natural. It's something that just comes natural. It's not something I I think too hard about, you know. Yeah. Okay. And um, I guess for me, you know, there was a film I produced in film school, a short film, and I sent okay. it to about thirty to forty festivals, and the the selections mm. were not were not impressive at all. Um, how do you okay. choose which festivals to submit your films to? Do I even choose which festivals to submit? I really don't. Um, when interestingly, I haven't actually submitted to a lot like like yours. Um, and, and honestly, I would say to you that that was a brilliant thing to do. It doesn't matter that you didn't get a lot of recommend um, selections or whatever, but at least you know you're on the, on the right path, yeah. right? Um, for me, I don't. 
there are just a few. I mean, honestly, when I go on Film Freeway, for instance, yeah, I am not, I'm not selective of, I'm not looking for a certain kind of festival. Maybe subconsciously, but not, not very consciously. I'm looking at okay. I'm mostly looking at dates, like, okay, when is this festival happening? You know, um, I look at my calendar, you know, if they accept me, will I be able to go? Yeah. And sometimes even if I'll be able to go, but at least let me get the selection, you know. And, you know, because these things have a way of actually just encouraging you and letting you know that, you know, you're on the right path and stuff like that. So honestly, I don't, I don't have any major criteria to be honest. Okay. Okay, so yeah, let's talk about Sink or Swim. It's mm-hmm. a film about it's a film about uh, migration and um, people trying to get to Europe. Yeah. And you have an ensemble cast from about six African countries. How did you put that together? Um, so, first of all, the credit for putting the cast together goes to um, Prince Richard Moby, who was the producer and was also the executive producer. Yeah. Um, as a director of the project, when it came to casting, I, I was playing more of a consulting role. That is to say, at least I was select the cast. Yeah. And but the producer had the producer had the the responsibility to make the cast happen, and he was the one who had the vision for the ensemble for the multi-country ensemble he wanted to make a pan-african film you know so he had that original idea and mine my 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 job as a director was to bring that vision to to reality basically yeah and the fact that he had to involve a lot of people from different countries um was he a big budget film or you guys were able to make it for a reasonable amount no, it was a big budget film. It had to be. It, I mean, by the time you start flying people from Kenya, flying people from Nigeria, p- flying people from Zimbabwe, you know, I mean, even if just the, on the logistics alone, it's a lot of budget already, you know, and then you then have to keep these people for, I think we shot for about 20 to 30, day, 20 to 25 days. I can't remember quite correctly, but yeah, we shot for quite, an, you know, a decent number of days and so just the hotel alone for that you can imagine so it was it was quite you know um by by nigerian standard by african standard it was it was quite a good um a good budget okay that's good for loving daniela this film went to the las vegas black film festival and um you guys had about three nominations and you won the award for best actress Yes. Yeah. Um, Very proudly. Yeah. And you also released this film in Nigeria and the Caribbean. How were you able to seal the Caribbean release? Um, so the one of my executive producers had contact and access um, in Antigua. Yeah. Um, in the Caribbean. So that was that was the inroad. So we actually shot. Uh, we shot a lot of scenes in 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 Antigua. You know, so it just was um, it was natural for us to push to get distribution, you know, in in the islands and um, the Caribbean cinemas. Yeah, I think they're just the only 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 um, distribution 
cinema distribution company because they they are the ones who manage the cinemas as well yeah. across the islands. So it was just natural that we would um, push in that direction, and um, they liked the film and um, they distributed it. So we had a cinema release in the Caribbean, and it was quite something that I'm very, very proud of, you know, as a Nigerian filmmaker. Yeah, well done for that. Thank you very much. You also started this academy, Treasure Worlds Academy. What do you guys do there? Treasure Worlds Academy, it came from the idea that a lot of people want to get into the industry, but there's really um, not a lot of... um, places that people can go to get started, you know. Um, it's not a lot of people that have the opportunity to be able to do internship or, or, or you know, um, sort of um, learn on the job with, you know, people. So um, Treasure Ways Academy is just a platform to help passionate people who want to make the switch into the industry to be able to have a platform that, that supports that. Um, for now, the academy is more of a pop-up academy because we don't do like regular um, session classes and so, so we do pop-up sessions, okay. um, pop-up workshops, and you know master classes and things like that. But um, the vision is that we are going to you know create like a media city where you know one-stop place we have. People can actually come, learn, create, relax, and and things like that. And which is what we've started to do with our hub. The first hub we just opened in Lagos. Yeah. First creative hub we just opened in Lagos. So yeah, so that's that's the vision basically. Yeah. I mean, congrats on that hub. You know, I saw the pictures. It's really impressive and beautiful. Quite looks quite serene. So yeah, we're talking about um the. Creative Hub, um, the Love Potion. Yeah. Why that name? Uh, <laughs> so when we when we finished putting it together, right? Yeah. The 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 property and everything, and um, every time I'm in in the place, I just there's this this thing about love, you know. It's just it's just a beautiful loving place. It's a place you just fall in love with yeah. every time you come in here. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I always fall in love um, with this place every time I step in. Perhaps this is a love portion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's how the name came. It's and and it's been living true to its name. Every time anybody walks in here, they just literally fall in love. You know. Yeah, I guess that's very so, yeah, apt. I yeah, <laughs> I guess so too. Yeah, actually, there was as a production hub for a VOD platform that we're okay. about to launch. So we are literally shooting a couple of series. Yeah. Um, our our platform is called Cut Series, C O T Series. Okay. And so it's it's a full blown, um, homegrown, international um, brand. Um, servicing the video on demand um, sector of the industry. Yeah. But we we understand that a couple of players have taken very strong positions in the market yeah. that we're coming to. And we don't want to um, have to compete with these big players, so to speak, head to head, you know. Yeah. So we 
trying so we we try to create a niche for what we're doing so instead of just doing movies series uh everything we decided to just focus only on series okay and i think yeah, yeah, so it's, it's needed you know once this space is able to open up then um, creators will have a lot more options and then it becomes really competitive then Exactly, exactly. Yeah. We are crazy enough to believe that we can change the industry. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully we can. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the beginning point, you know. If you don't believe, then it will never happen. True, true. Yeah. Very true. So now moving to the new documentary you're working on. Huge congrats for yeah. the grant you got from the World Teen Marathon. It's an impressive amount of money. Well done on securing <laughs> that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And interestingly, that money, that amount, that amount of money is actually maybe like about 40% of our budget. Okay. And the good news is that we've also, we've also gotten a lot of support from Arte France. Yeah. And so we have we have our budget completed. So we're just waiting for um the lockdown to be lifted, you know, so that movement to the um, um you know, I mean, continued so we can shoot because our documentary takes us across um, a lot of West African borders, yeah, all the way to North Africa. You know, so you can imagine the amount, number of borders that we are going to be crossing, and how the lockdown has really hampered, you know, um, the project in terms of delay. Yeah, but um, I think the world is opening up back again, and we may be able to get back on the road soon as possible yeah i mean that's a filmmaker's um wish you know to have all the money you you need to um, create you know, a project <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's been a long time coming we've been pushing this um whole thing this project been on this project for at least two years that's yeah. another thing starting this level of project takes time you know you just um just have to keep pushing it yeah and I noticed that um, it's uh, it's a collaboration with the South African and French company. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the South African company are like the they're like the mentors, you know. So what the South African company is a media, is a media, um, is a media production um, company, more like a non-profit. Yeah. And what they do is that they try to support African filmmakers to make their films and tell their stories. So we're working on, on like a collective right now where they selected 30 filmmakers from across the continent to, to, to support and mentor and to ensure that we make um, our projects. And so they're also coming in as co-production in all the projects. And then um, the French company came in because when Ate France wanted to support my project, one of the conditions that came with the funding is that we must have a French co-production company yeah. to work with, you know. And it was quite interesting because the person, the owner of the French co-production company, is someone I already met during um, some of the workshops that we've done with the with the South African company called okay. Steps. Yeah. And so it was someone that I already had conversations with her about we had expressed the desires you know to work with each other in the future so it looked like the future just came faster than we we thought and so it's it's been a beautiful um combination working with this 
co-producers actually yeah and i guess um these are some of the contacts you make when you attend festivals um was that what happened with this particular project um yeah but this one didn't come directly this one actually started it from um seeing an open call so the south african company steps made an open call asking for projects that has to do with migration and immigration you know so i entered and then i was selected and um just kind of i've been going through the process so this was not really directly from film festival contact it was just basically something i saw on the internet yeah. and um took advantage of basically yeah, well done i mean we can't wait for it to come out it's very interesting thank you yeah thank you so just say, um, to backtrack a little, you mentioned that you worked for 10 years as an editor and you, during this period, you were always pitching your ideas to um, people you are working with. What have you learned from pitching? I mean, you are doing it for 10 years. You are talking to different people. What have you learned from pitching? <laughs> it's so funny how things pan out. So I thought I'd, I'd known about pitching, you know, and then I attended a pitching workshop in, in Spain last year. Yeah. And I realized that, oh, my God, it's still so much to pitching that I learned, you know. But basically, I think the most important thing about pitching is, first of all, know your audience, right? Yeah. So, but when I say the audience, I, I mean, know the person you're pitching to, whether it's, a, it's one person you're pitching to or two people or you're pitching to a room of commissioning editors or producers and directors, you need to know who is in the audience, know who you're talking to, know what is their interest. Yeah. So you can weave your pitch around their interest. Do you understand? For instance, yeah. if somebody is interested in making series, you don't want to be pitching a film to them. You know, it's like you're already, you're already pitching to the wrong person. And, you know, so knowing your audience is the first thing you must, you know, pay attention to whether you need to ask who introduced you to them, what kind of people they are, what they're interested in, or even ask them directly, you know, maybe in the getting to know them stage, yeah. pay attention to the little things that they say, you know. It might just be something someone says in a passing conversation. Somebody might be saying something like, oh, you know, the Nigeria people are always making films. I don't know why we don't have a lot of documentaries. And, you know, it will be interesting to, you know, work in, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. So you already know that this person has a, a, is already thinking towards documentary. So, like, if I met that kind of a person... I always have like a couple of pitches ready. So maybe I have one pitch on a film, I have another pitch on a documentary, another pitch on a series, yeah. maybe another pitch on web series. <laughs> so you need to have all these pockets of pitches ready for any time you meet, you know, so you bring the most appropriate pitch for the right person. Definitely. So for instance, this kind of person, just definitely hit him with your documentary pitch. Just the fact that you're even talking documentary is already like 30% interested in what you have to say. Yeah. You know, and then, and then, you know, um, yeah, and then you take it from there. That's number one. Number two is know, know your pitch. You know, you need to know your pitch because you don't want to be stammering and, you know, looking for your words and looking for your whatever. Yeah. It's like a pitch is something you wake up middle of the night and they say, give it a 
you know you just go boom 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 like my story and then we don't tell long stories don't don't do long stories don't do oh the mother-in-law now met the father-in-law and the villagers didn't like and you know those kind of just go straight to the meat and every every pitch you have like a story every pitch you have a middle a beginning a middle and an end yeah and your end should you know be something that will string somebody along so you want them by the time you finish you want them to be like okay so what happened you know you know so how did that happen and so how who is she and why did she get that bad once you start to have that question then you know that at least you've done a good pitch you know yeah. but if you start to have questions like oh really ah wow i didn't know that we have vampires in is it possible to have vampires in africa i yeah. i don't know how do you <laughs> you know then you you failed sort of yeah. Because if I wanted to pitch you a story of vampires in Africa, I'll pitch it in a way that you don't need to bother whether we've had vampires before, because there will be elements in the pitch that can answer that question and let you know that I know that we don't have it culturally, but I want to make a film about it and you would like it, basically. Yeah. You know, So that's basically what it is. So the key is to be succinct and if they have questions, they'll ask you. Exactly. Yeah. And try to answer most of the questions that they will ask as to how possible to make the film. Try and answer the question in the pitch, right? Okay. Like if there are strong elements in your pitch, you have to also know how to achieve that, right? Yeah. As, as you pitch, because if you go and pitch, I was using Tomeland as an example, mm. and I said if I wanted to make a film about uh, where Tomeland Bridge got gets bombed, and you know shattered into bits, and cars falling into the water and all that, I have to know how to do that, like have a plan of how to do that. So either I've spoken to special effects people and they've told me that it's possible and they've told me what it's going to take to do that. So that when I'm making my speech, when I'm making my pitch, it's important to include those kinds of elements and to let people know that I've already forged the relationship with the, the studio or the individual that would make that happen, that will create the CGI and all that. Perhaps I've even done a test or something yeah. and I know what the cost what the cost is going to be. Because cost is a major factor when you're pitching a, a film project. Yeah. You know, people need to have an idea of what kind of investment that they will be making, you know. So so yeah, that's basically what I'm saying. So it's important to be ready, you know, um, with your pitch and be ready with all the components of it, basically. Okay. Okay, so what would you say you want to improve in the Nigerian film industry? There are a lot of things that could be better. What's the most important thing for you? The most important thing for me is process. Okay, the industry, to be honest, I don't even know if to say if we are growing as an industry. I think that individuals are growing, but the industry is not growing, you know, and it's, it's, it's a sort of an, an anomaly. It's an imbalance. Right. Yeah. So the industry is not growing for a couple of reasons. One, there is no process. You know, um, people just do things anyhow. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's no process for pro- 
for development. There's no process for production. There's no process for pre-production. I mean, there's no pro all the aspects of production. There's no process for distribution. You know, so in the end, the industry is leaving a lot of money on the table, and the industry is being shortchanged a lot. You know, yeah. and I mean, 2000 as far back as 2014, the industry was valued at. 5.1 billion dollars, you know, and and it was by a very reputable um, consulting firm. But the question is, where is the money? Yeah. Where is that? <laughs> you understand? Yeah. The money, the money is outside the industry, so to speak. The money is mostly with the distribution, you know. And to be honest, the distribution. I don't consider them as part of the industry because they're not even making any requisite investment in the industry. They're not putting money back in the industry. They're taking money out of the industry. Yeah. So filmmakers, filmmakers need need to fine tune a process that would guarantee that the money gets back to where it rightly belongs. Imagine Nollywood at the stage where we are now. We still don't have any structure for funding. For instance, yeah. there's nothing that says if you're a Nigerian filmmaker, you have a great idea that you can apply for funding, you know, within the industry or around the industry. I, I have a passion in trying to bring some of those money, a good, you know, percentage of it into the industry so that actors can get better pay, um, directors can get better pay, better working conditions. Um, yeah. People don't have to shoot one film in four days and, you know, and shoot all night and all day and just to make a film. And, you know, and because I understand that filmmaking has a lot to do with time. It's a craft. And just like every other craft, you need time. You know, yeah. sometimes you do it and you realize that it didn't come out well. You should be able to go back and do it again, you know, until you get it right. But with the way Nollywood is structured and the way the processes are now, it's impossible for people to actually even spend even enough time to shoot a scene, not to talk of going back to reshoot it. You know, so so those are some of the things that I'm I'm very passionate about. You know, so I was talking about the fact that the government come in once in a while and you know try to make a splash and all that, and then they wonder why. Um, it looks like it's not working. It's because they, they they do not understand that it's not just the money. You need to create the ecosystem. You need to build an ecosystem. It's a system yeah. that would... Uh, an industry is actually a, a culmination of systems, you know, that work in harmony to produce um, products, basically, which is, in our case, we are producing content. But we don't have the ecosystem. For instance, so our hub... It's probably the first creative hub in Nigeria, you know, uh, for filmmakers and and stuff like that. And we need we need this type of hub. We need hundreds of it right now in in yeah. in, in Nigeria, you know, in Lagos, in Asaba, in Enugu, um, in the north, you know, wherever filmmakers gather to make films, they should have like conducive studios, basically, and hubs. The Love Potion, which is our creative hub, it's yeah. it's, like a, it's like a nursery for us. It's like a place we are trying the idea 
which we've already started drawing on on, on the on the board um, about a media city. We we are we are going to build a media city, which is basically a bigger hub that has a lot more facilities, you know, um, so that filmmakers can come in and just relax and create yeah. and then recreate, basically. Definitely. That would be really helpful for the industry. Yes, yeah. we would do. Like God's grace, yeah. we would do it. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Thank, thanks, Ike, for coming on the podcast. Um, all the best with your documentary and um, the VOD platform. Thank you, Sele. Thank you so much for having me. It's... Um, it's been a pleasure speaking with you this morning. Same here. Thank you. We have come to the end of this episode. Please remember to leave a rating and a review. You can send me a feedback on social media. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Selegal Film and the podcast also on Instagram and Twitter at the Niger Film Pod. See you on the next episode. Have a good one.